0: Folks, this is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, the podcast where we discuss issues impacting Black and Millennial communities, all while having a good drink. Today, I've got my second guest here with me, very good friend, um, confidant, my pastor, my boy Daryl Briscoe here, um, and he has just released his first book. Doc, excuse me, Doctor Daryl Briscoe. Right? <laughs> um, but this is this is my dude. He, he's solid. Um, somebody I can go and talk to about whatever. And so we just released this first book, There's a Storm Coming, How the American Church Can Lead Through Times of Racial Crisis. And I mean, the title in and of itself is a conversation topic. And so I'm really excited to one, get my, my copy autographed and uh, and two, to get into it and start having these conversations with people because as a follower of Christ, it's important that we're able to share with our brothers and sisters, you know what race is in america and and the fact that black white brown you know if, if there's a green christian somewhere on mars how we uh we really need to be able to connect with folks and and really find this common ground i think this book is going to be big um but i'm gonna go over a couple light questions real quickly and then we'll, we'll jump into the, the heavier stuff so first question oh and how i also start the the podcast what I'm drinking today. I have a single malt scotch whiskey, uh, the Glenroth's, 10 year age. I had it on my last podcast from last week, but um, pretty solid drink. And uh, yeah, I, like I said, this is my second time in a row having it, so I, I'm a fan of it. What about you, Darrell? What, what do you have over there?
1: Yes, sir. Um, I have a, a scotch whiskey uh, called um, uh It is delicious, Lafroigue. Um, it, it, has a peaty taste to it, uh, kind of smoky peaty. Um, I got a, a, a sweet friend of mine, one of my closest friends, um, who was with me in my program at Duke got it for me last fall.
0: And I just break it out on special occasions. So I'm like, man, I'm on narrow podcast, like breaking it out, special occasions. Let's go. And yeah, this one is a, a very, it's a sweeter scotch. It's really good. I, when you come over to your house, when all of this, um, pandemic stuff is over and everything, We got to sit and and have some of this. I won't be drinking it too frequently, but I had to have a good drink with you. So, Absolutely. Um, So that's the first question. Uh, Next, since you're on narratives over wine and whiskey, which one are you going to choose, wine or whiskey, if you had to, you know, the rest of your life, one or the other? Oh, man, I'm going to go whiskey. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just something about it, bro. Just like, just sitting
0: down. You know, I'm a big jazz guy. got like Mm -hmm. 50 albums, got a record. Uh, I love the decor, uh, by the way, like the decor of the house with the jazz records and everything. Yeah, we have a jazz lounge,
1: uh, affectionately known as Sidebar, in our home with all these jazz prints. All my records are up. You know, if it's a Tuesday night, I'm in Sidebar hanging out. I'm going to do some whiskey.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, same. I I am definitely a a whiskey fan. Um, When I was thinking about the podcast and coming up with the idea everybody doesn't like whiskey but most people will like some form of whiskey or some form of wine and when i have when i've guests on i wanted to give them the option of both so um and i mean and and i have grown in my my appreciation for wine but whiskey is always going to be my go-to especially with the varieties be it you know scotch or irish or bourbon or japanese whiskey you can you can usually find something you'll like right tell people about yourself you know i know that's kind of a, a question with a million answers but just you know the stuff that you think is is pertinent to who you are where you're from kind of how you got to where you are in life right now
1: yeah yeah man i appreciate you um yeah you know um uh I, i'm a husband uh, to tracy uh uh we've been married for eight years uh, i have two four beautiful children four wild full of energy children <laughs> two boys two girls luke noah amelia hope and ella grace uh, ages six, four, three, and two. So it's just boom, 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 man. So it, they are bouncing off the walls. They're about to go on vacation. Uh, but yeah, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, uh, went to school at the University of North Florida. I got a track scholarship there, ran there, uh, major in political science, history. And then, um, I was inspired to go into government after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, when Katrina happened, man, it, 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 it stills with me. I'm still mad about it. It still has marked my life. And so I decided to go into government public policy work after Hurricane Katrina, um, and, and I went to uh, the George Bush School at Texas A&M University at uh, not baby Bush, but daddy Bush. He has his presidential library there and a policy institute there. So I got my master's in public administration there with a focus on um, urban planning. Um, and and that's where I kind of got involved in this whole world of climate change adaptation, natural disaster resiliency. It was from these superstorms you know, just destroying the, the Gulf Coast. Uh, I, I I then moved to Louisiana um, to um, uh, work in economic development, neighborhood revitalization, hurricane recovery. I was there for three about three years. Um, and and then in 2011, I moved back home to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, I jumped into ministry full-time as a young adult pastor. And so, yeah, that's a bit about me in a nutshell. And so I uh, love... I'm a lifter now. I'm a power lifter. I love working now and compete. I compete in that. And the United States Car Lifting Association, that's fun. Man, you know, I'm just, just doing it, you know. Uh, we, we came up to North Carolina because um, I, I got my doctorate at Duke. And we fell in love with North Carolina. We fell in love with Durham so much. We're like, man, we're staying here, you know. And uh, then we started our own
0: church in downtown Durham. So I would say that's basically me in a nutshell. What is your favorite part about Durham since you all have been here? Oh, man third part about Durham.
1: Oh, Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm probably, I mean, I just have to go with my gut on this. I probably would say Duke. Oh, man. I just love love Duke, man. I love, you know. I know, man. I'm sorry, bro. I just, it's like, it's just like my home. It's just, it's the place where I go. I feel just alive and just i just i feel so inspired and um and so yeah bro i would say that i would say next is just the diversity and um just the the um man just the diversity and
0: and and the the inclusion in the city that's real that's yeah that's that's good stuff um and so that's the good the good now what do you think needs to change the most about durham to make it really what Man, it is. you think you could Careful
1: about We got to be careful about classism. Careful about
0: classism. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like we got. You know, um, it's like okay, and and, and we got to remember our story and our heritage because as we quote unquote un- come up and and we get these new business and restaurants, there it, it. What I'm seeing here is this, like, okay, oh, it's it it's, it's coming up. Man, we're getting all this new money that's coming in. People are coming in, but we can't we can't ever forget that Durham's history is Black history, and 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 and, and what Black people did, and the level of ingenuity and, and independence that we've had here, the legacy of that. And so, you know, that I mean, I think Durham needs to remember that and remember that in its story, and not just be like, oh man, you know, we have this bad reputation. Now we're coming up, and now we're all hip and cool, like. No, um, you know, like we, um, you know, like let's not forget, you know, that we have had a proud legacy and story of leadership and activism and 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 culture here, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is so true. And, and being that, you know, I am a native of, of the city and having I'm, been in touch with some of the, you know, the Spaldings and you know, the, the people who really are the the Moors and people who you know schools were named after because of the impact they had, the Lucases. I've seen that and had had direct contact and mentorship from that that greatness that made Black Wall Street and right I think that we can still get there and we can have that revitalization. But it's like you said, it's about making sure that we eliminate that classism and use the resources of the city to build up every community within Durham. Um mm. Mm. so I'm going to jump into the to the book. So if you if you tell us about there's a storm coming, like just tell yeah. us. Like what really, you know, go, go more into what inspired you. You, know, you said it was the time with Trayvon Martin and and you you know, we're seeing all of these the, the racial divide continuing to grow and become more evident. Sure. Like just talk about that son
1: Man, thank you so much, bro. Uh, and number one, bro, Daryl, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I just, I, I, I want to make sure I say that. I, I'm grateful for, for what you do. We need your voice. Durham needs your voice. Uh, we are lucky to have you as uh, a part of the church. And, man, so I just want to let you know, man, I appreciate for everything you do. We need your voice. Thanks, um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, real talk, bro. Um, what inspired it? Summer 2016, bro. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile. Two murders that happened within a couple of days of each other. Both were very personal to me. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just, I'm, yeah, It's just, it's just hitting me because I'm thinking about those moments. Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay. I just want to make sure that you can. Yeah, yeah. You hear me? Okay. Yeah. Um, bro. Um, it, it
1: it Alton hit me like this. I worked for the mayor in Baton Rouge doing neighborhood revitalization, economic development in traditionally disinvested communities. One of the communities that I worked in was called Choctaw Corridor. Alton Sterling was killed in that community, the community where I used to work in. It was personal. I love Baton Rouge. I love the culture. I love the people. It's like a second home to me. Still is. And so when he died, when he was murdered, man, it shook me, bro, because it was like, like it was I still like my, I consider like my home away from home. Number two, Philando. Um, Philando hit me personally. Obviously, I'm a black man, so it of course it hits me personally. And I talk about this in the book because white people need to understand the reality of collective and communal trauma that Black folks deal with. That you might that that we feel the pain that a community is feeling in Spokane. We feel that 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 same pain in Durham. We feel that same pain in Hoboken. We feel that same pain in Charlotte. Because there is a collective and communal trauma that we have all gone through, as well as microaggressions and daily racial discrimination that we deal with on a regular basis. So uh, let me say that. Number two, number two, it, was, it hit me personally because we had a leader, uh, a leader in our young professionals group. Who I found out the following Sunday after Philando died, that was her first cousin. I saw her at church. She looked like she like a ghost. She looked like her wow. soul got sucked out. She was at the information desk. I'm like Felicia, like what's up? What's good? You good? Like you, now you're looking like what's wrong with you? And she's like, Nah, it's past the girl. It's just a hard week. I was like, Oh man, what are you all right? Like, are you looking rough? You know what i And she's right. like, Nah, my my cousin. My, my cousin died. I was like, oh, my God. Like, wait, what? Like, that's awful. Like, she like, what happened? And she was like, he was killed. He was shot and killed by police. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. She's like, yeah, in Minneapolis, or wherever it occurred. And she's like, is my first cousin. I grew up with him in the same household. Bro, I literally just, it just, seeing Felicia, Who is still a friend of mine to this day? We still connect, you know. Like, to know that was a family member and to see her pain, and not only, bro, not only her pain, but white folk judging the video, critiquing the video, and saying, well, he deserved it because he kind of reached and he kind of did, he kind of, if you see in the video, frame eight. It looks like he might be going for something. So, you know, that officer would justified. And for her to see that, to see people in our church, rationalize um, the injustice and then to see it play out across the nation, the nation, right? Cause this is, bro, this is Facebook Live, right? You remember this, yeah. this is, her yeah. his girlfriend was screaming. The 40 year old was daughter yeah. was in the back. Yes, man, bro, that just kicked. that one cut me up too because I thought about what was my kid in the back seat. Yeah, the trauma of that child and the child trying to console her mom.
0: No child should have to do no that. Child.
1: If you you remember the video, she yeah. said, "Mom, it's okay. It's going to be okay." You know, screaming. I can still hear her screams. That was Felicia's first cousin.
0: That's a cousin, yeah, that and is.
1: so it hit me, and so and so and so, bro. I wrote a blog about it, uh, about Alton and Philando, out uh, and know uh, some of the Uh, you know, and, and I was just like, we we gotta we gotta pray. And it, it was a it was a very non controversial blog. I mean, bro, I I did not try to wait. I was like, we gotta pray for police officers because they gotta make split seconds decisions. We gotta pray for churches in in Minneapolis and Baton Rouge. We gotta pray for it. leaders. I mean, I, it was all literally about praying for it. Well, basically, I got a lot of pushback from that from that blog within my church. I got pushback uh, from the leadership and uh, from uh, some police officers in the church. Um, and, I, and, and, and what I saw, what I saw in that tragedy, in in my own church context, but also in other church contexts, was an inability to grapple with, respond to, lead through, and learn from racialized crises. And what I mean by racialized crises, I'm talking about like the the, the Trayvon Martins, the Mike Browns, the, I'm talking about these, 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 these significant events that disrupt our social political climate that shake the fabric of our society. Obviously we know racism has been there. That That has been an ongoing crisis, right? So my book, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I want to acknowledge systemic racism. It's always been with us. I take a more narrow approach and focus on saying, okay, white Christian America, specifically white pastors, y'all need to look at this in the world and realm of climate change, okay? Most folks agree that the, earth, the, the climate is changing. And because of that, that climate change, we are now seeing stronger storms we are seeing different consequences and ramifications of man-made carbon emissions that are contributing to to, to our changing climate. Stronger hurricanes, uh, longer droughts, and so, you know, being a Floridian, I know something about hurricanes. I know something about storms. I mean, you live, you live like, like, every year, like, okay.
0: You know what I'm saying? Like, you know something come. So, Y'all get hit. Right. It sort
1: of sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like a sore thumb just sticking out, you know?
0: Literally. But you
1: know, if you're a Floridian, you know, guess what? There's a storm coming. Oh, what, what does that mean? That means you need to get prepared. That means that you have to take precautions, steps, invest in money to protect your house and your community. So I guess I got the book from that, that concept of listen, we're seeing these. Racialized superstorms, and we need to start White Christian America. We need to start to look at this in the context of a changing social political climate. The last ten to twelve years, our sociopolitical political climate in this country has drastically changed. We've had a black president. We have a president that that, um, and, and oh, I'm going to try to be real godly and nice here with, with President <laughs> Trump. Um, we have a president that is very uh, non-conciliatory and and pragmatic and diplomatic. Let's <laughs> By the nicest way I can say that. Yeah, who plays yeah. to his base, who plays to neo-Nazis and neo-fascists, right? And white nationalists. And so our climate change and we're getting these stronger storms and crises. We got to prepare, we got to lead, and we got to learn from them.
0: Man, you... um, I, I hope that all my listeners... Are, are even more excited about this book because I definitely am. I am. Um, I mean, th- th- just this conversation right now, and having you know read read up on you know the summary of the book and you know pre-ordered my autographed copy, which I'm very excited about. Um, I I really hope there readers will, will check it out because I mean, my listener, excuse me, because this this is the conversation that we need to be having across the the um, the table and and across the aisle. Um, if there isn't a cross style, you know, really, it shouldn't be about hey, these are white Christians these are black Christians because for those who don't know, the makeup of Six Eight Church very diverse, black and white people, interracial families. Um, I mean, we ju- we just have we we span the gamut, and so I I right. think that the model, but but you're not afraid to talk about it and make people uncomfortable. You you have the conversations that need to be had, and you don't you, you know you don't just say hey these are this is how we look at america through rose colored glasses instead you say this is what it is and these are the changes that we need to make and um one thing that i really want to want to applaud you for and this is outside of the book but the work being done in derms community that six eight is doing so can you can you expound expound upon that a little bit and tell me about the work that we're doing yes sir you know part in the in the book uh
1: bro um you know, I, I give, I, I break things down by using something called the racial crisis framework. The racial crisis, so it is broken down into four parts, realization, readiness, responsiveness, renewal. And, you know, and, and every section has a detail, you know, several chapters that make up that. But basically the, the first section is realization. We have to be aware there's a problem. And once we're aware of that, we have to seek to educate others and 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 build relationships and do the work. In our communities before the storm hits. And so, as a church, I kind of intuitively kind of follow that framework. And so, we are, as a church, we, 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 we do, there's a number of things that we do. A couple, we, we typically focus on criminal justice reform and affordable housing are kind of policy goals and, and, and initiatives that we, that we um, work on as a church. We do that through something called letter writing to the incarcerated where once a month or every other month we screen a documentary on documentary on criminal justice reform. And we, 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 we screen that documentary. We use that as an opportunity to learn. And then we write letters to people who are locked up in Durham County jail, in Durham County detention center. What does that do? Does two things. Number one, it reaches out to individuals and shares the love of God with them. And it also educates our people on systemic issues. That's what we've got to understand as Christians. We typically see things from an individualistic standpoint. We see sin, but it's personal, personal, personal. When the reality, God is very collective and communal and talks about communal sin and collective sin and sin in our society. So we educate people on that sin, sin that's in our city. And and, and when we do that, we do something called barbershop rap sessions where we meet in a black-owned barbershop. And we use that space as a safe space to talk about systemic issues that are going on in our city, to talk about stuff that's going on in our society. We've talked about reparations. We talked about the lamentation of, of, of Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant dying. We've talked about a range of different topics. We want to give this as an opportunity to meet in a safe space and to talk about these things that are going on in our society. And so, um, so we do that. We do something um, called Readings on Race. Where every quarter we uh, we read a book by an author of color or a woman. Typically, we prefer to read something by a black woman or uh, or a woman. And, and um, we um, we we do that to, as an, again another tool for education and, and awareness and realization. We've got to be uh, educated and aware of the problem before we can begin to tackle it. And so that's what we do as a church. We you know we meet at the historic Hayti. Heritage Center in the black community um, uh, uh, half a mile from North Carolina Central Eagle Pride Amplified you know what I'm saying so like we we are I mean, that's what we do we also attend city council meetings we are in relationship with several elected officials fighting for justice and serving the people in the Haytok community as well as the uh, McDougal Terrace and so you know we obviously we also are like traditional church you know we meet on Sundays praise and worship and you know what I'm saying? And all yeah, you know, all that jazz, but preaching and the word of God. We're biblical, we're biblical based, but you know, there's over twenty two hundred verses in the Bible that can, that talk about justice and 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 poverty. And so we want to make sure that we talk about what God talks a lot about, you know? So
0: yeah. One thing that I really appreciate having been um been a member of the church and being a member is the work that's been done um recently, right, right before the pandemic in McDougal Terrace. Uh, or or outside of when these people found out that their homes were essentially poisoned and had to move out, and the church really took a, a leadership stance in the community as a fairly new church. You know, right. There are a lot of right. older institutions in Durham that no no knock to them, but I don't think they took as quick and as strong of a of a um, stance as Six Eight did. And making sure that we were helping to feed um, um, helping making sure that that we were saying okay are you all in homes who need who right need to go see you know in, you know tracy right. went to the right. city council meeting and she was like i'm mm-hmm. a white woman and if this had happened in a community i was from y'all would respond quickly but you're you're driving right. your feet here and i really appreciated her seeing and using her privilege in order to say Yay you all need to make this a priority because these are citizens yeah. of the community. And that was, that was right. big as a representative of our church and our community. I mean, it was, it was huge to see big. you all take that stance, man. Big. Uh, what Tracy did, I, I was so proud of her and so proud to be her husband. And I mean,
1: you would, you know, I'm the one with the doctor and the masters. I've been working <laughs> in the, you know, the hood probably, but she was like, no, 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 I'm going, I'm standing out. I'm looking the mayor and the city council right in the eyes and saying, no, 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 y'all. This can't no because if this was me, y'all would have been here. Yeah, like nah, like this ain't right. And I was just and she, you know, she got a standing ovation and people were clapping. It was like wow,
0: I was proud of her. Yeah, man. Um, so next question. In 2016, I personally thought it couldn't get any worse than Trump being elected. um uh, <laughs> Since then, we have really seen the unapologetic. I, yo, it's. I was like, yo, this is actually. I'll, I'll give you some backstory. Before we met. Desiree and I yeah. in the summer of twenty sixteen were uh, we went to three countries in Europe real quickly. Um, we did Amsterdam, um okay. and then no, so three cities, excuse me, Amsterdam, London, Paris. And when we were in Amsterdam, Trump was uh you know on his on his trail or um campaign trail, campaign tour, or whatever, and people were like, Do y'all really think that America like there were Europeans asking, Do y'all really think America is going to elect a reality TV star? as president. <laughs> and at that moment, I said, no way, Hillary's going to win. Because that's what I really thought to be true. And to see what we're in right now, it's crazy. But since then, we've seen the unapologetic expression of white nationalism grow exponentially. I mean, from right. you know, things right. in South Carolina to Charleston, it's been it's, or to Charlottesville, it's been an issue. And, and what role do you think followers of Christ can play to get America back on the right track?
1: Mm, we've got to commit to becoming anti racist. We cannot, mm, we cannot, all of us, white, black, brown, yellow, red, we cannot, it is not enough now. We, we, we have to, we, it is not enough to say, well, I'm not racist. You got to stop thinking about yourself and stop think and start thinking about the larger picture. You got to stop, we, it, it, it we, I've seen so many people get so defensive um, and offended when we talk about macro-level issues. My white friends, friends right, you know, brothers and sisters will get like, well, that's not me. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But here's the thing. You benefit from a system that was historically set up to be advantageous to a particular group, and if you don't seek to dismantle that ideology that centers whiteness, that centers white values, norms, culture, if you don't work to dismantle that, if you don't work to decenter that and recenter other voices, cultures, right, then we're not going to get anywhere. We need anti racist. We need white people using their power, platform, and privilege to recenter black and brown culture and to make things and to fight for equity. That's what we need, I think, in this country. And, and, and you know, and i it we need. And as far as Christians, we need people to understand that that is. Integral to their faith. That is a significant aspect to their faith. That the cause of the oppressed and the marginalized is God's cause. Right? And, and, and too many times we're like, it's, we, we treat things and look at things from this lens of individualism. And when we look at things and see things in our theology, in our ideology, in our politics, then it's, we become self-centered and we do not work towards the common good and we don't even acknowledge that there's problems, systemic institutional problems in this country. So I, that I would simply answer is we, we we need to become anti-racist, not just, it's not enough to be non-racist.
0: Yeah, man, I, I am very intentional um, with, with some of my language and, and, you know, you answered that beautifully. And I, I always say, you know, you. followers of Christ, because it is one thing, and it's it's easy to claim a religion and to say I was right. raised Christian. You know, so many of us can right. say that many Americans were, but are we taking those steps toward living Christ-like lives? And, right, um, right. And that that that's so huge, and I think that uh, that that's what Six Eight has been doing, and that's it, it, it's saying, okay. How are we taking the lessons of Christ and really applying them to our lives and not just reading right. the words but making the words live through us? So, so yeah, man, that's uh, right. that was that was really good being being anti-racist. All right. So yeah. last question has absolutely nothing to do with anything heavy. Yeah. <laughs> if you had <laughs> if you had to be stranded on a deserted island for three years, name the bottle of whiskey. You'd like to have an unlimited supply of. You got all the food you need. Oh, okay, family, okay. You got TV, but, but, but what, what's, <laughs> that, what's that case of, of whiskey that you're going to have since, since whiskey's your go-to? Bro, Come
1: no out. question. Red breast 12 year old. Mm, I need to get a bottle of it. Red, I, I, I red it. bro, it's fire. Red breast 12 year old, bro, is so good.
0: Is it a bourbon? you got salt?
1: to get it. it it's um, it's Irish. Irish, okay, okay, bro. It is fire. I I tried it and I got a bottle. It's like six seventy bucks a bottle. That's why normally it's not in my uh. <laughs> you know, it might, it, that that would be a wonderful present. I need to get myself. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll get. I got myself a Captain America shield for my publishing present. I, I saw. Mean, Maybe I'll. Yeah, I'm like because he's my
0: favorite superhero. So maybe maybe I'll get a, a bottle of red brass because that's a that's a special occasion. Yeah, man. Well, I will have to, uh, you know, once I publish my first book, maybe I'll buy myself treat myself to that. Um, but yeah, that that that's a good suggestion. I'll have to get it onto the podcast sometime soon. Maybe I'll get Desiree to get it for my my birthday gift or something.
1: Um, Bro, you, it's so smooth.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. I like I like a good Irish whiskey. I actually uh, recently have have fallen in love. I don't know if you're a Jameson fan, but they've got a cold brew now that is. What coffee it's a coffee taste to it so it's um brewed with coffee beans and it's amazing um so that's it, it's pretty solid it's nice to make so if you're making like an irish coffee that's where that's the to go-to man i'll send you a picture of it when, when we get off of here but uh yeah before we, before we go man let folks know a couple things one how they can follow you in the church online as well as where they can either grab a copy or, or gift to co- couple copies um, of there's a coming, how the American church can lead through times of racial crisis.
1: Right, bro. Thank you. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Dr. Briscoe, Dr. Briscoe, Dr. Briscoe. Um, um, you can follow, um, uh, and then uh, on Facebook, Dash Tracy Briscoe, D O R R E O L. So, Dash Tracy Briscoe. Uh, the, uh, go on my website, Briscoe.com. It's live, DurrellBriscoe.com. Uh You can order a pre. Uh, you you can order a signed copy for the book. I write a nice little note and everything. And, you know, and um, uh, that, but on my website, there's a link to my blog. Resources for anti-racist work, what books to read, documentaries to watch, activists and public theologians to follow and podcasts to listen to. So uh, com And again, the book, man, Amazon, there's a storm coming. Uh, not coming, coming. There's a storm coming. And uh, it's there, paperback. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll announce this on your podcast. Um, this is the I was. It's a surprise, but uh, I was going to do it tomorrow or Wednesday. But it's actually been released. The book, full book, has been released. I was going to wait to June 10th, but surprise, paperback is out now. Kindle will be out, I believe, on Thursday. But paperback is out now. You can order now. So yeah, I, I was going to announce it. I'll probably just announce it tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll see. I was going to make it a little surprise, but hey. I'm on narrow, so I gotta I gotta I gotta you know give a treat. <laughs> this
0: will this will go live after, but that means that right now you all you're listening to it, go online, order right now. And um yes. and really we we are excited. I'm gonna be discussing the book after I finish it. I will be back on here talking about some of the stuff I got from it, some of the, the gems. Mm. And mm. I'd love to hear what you all think about it in the comments. But yeah, go ahead, check out the book. Let's go make it a New York Times bestseller right now. Like I'm I'm excited about oh, this guys. Yeah. Um, I, I really believe in the work that is being done and at this pivotal time in American history where we can really inspire some change and when we need it, we mm-hmm. need the light in, in so much darkness. I think that uh, this book is going to going to be a game changer, man. So I'm proud of you. I'm excited. Glad wow. to call you a friend. You. And um wow. when you get back from your vacation, I need I need to come get my copy of the book. So that's, that's oh no, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, bro. It, it, I will have it ready for you in the moment I get back. Hey, well, thanks, man. Have a great time with the family. Um, you know, take some great pictures. Oh, also, he did not say this. He lifts, he's a father, he's a husband. He also is a photographer who is going to try to take, ah. my, take my spot <laughs> in, in Durham. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, not know, as good, I'm good, good as you. you. Not, a, I'm amateur level compared to you. <laughs> Hey, thanks for talking with me, bro. And um, tell the fam I said hey, and I will see y'all when you get back.
1: Okay, brother. Thanks for having me on.
0: Take care. All right, peace.